with racing, I just knew, like I just like knew it in my body that I was going to make it. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. Most people uh, don't succeed in business because they quit, because it just takes so long. So I thought we'd talk about how long it takes to build a business, even if you have an extraordinary brand like yourself. When did you get started in building this business? Thank you. Um, well, the building of the Danica Rosé business actually tracks back to building of Somnium, which is my original wine venture that is obviously still going. Um, and that started back in 2006 when I went to Napa Valley and just kind of fell in love with the whole process, fell in love with wine and how it's made and the connection. And um, I then started, you know, looking for land, bought, planted from nothing, created this brand called Somnium. And so because of Somnium, then I was suggested to become part of this idea for a French rosé that is authentic to France and, and grown and made in Provence. And so uh, I just, I mean, it was really, I was like the critical puzzle piece to really bring the whole thing together in that I love wine. I've already been in the business. I understand it. Um, my brand, I mean, number one, I mean, I'm all about authenticity. So if you're gonna make a rosé, there's nothing more authentic than making one in Provence which is the original home of Rosé. Um, and then obviously, you know, being able to, you know, be that critical element that has the ability to get it out there, to be able to be lucky enough to talk to people like you, David. And um, so it, it always takes a team, right? Like there's someone that's helping distribute it. There's someone that's helping fund it. Um, and then I come in as this, you know, really critical element to um, the authenticity of the brand and the um, sort of the, the image of the brand. So it really came from probably I'd be able to track it all the way back to probably 2006. Um, so it's been a long time coming. And I think that's why I love this saying where you don't don't take score too early with whatever it is in your life. Like don't take score too early. I mean, you as sports, like you probably like this quote um, because you you know you sometimes from get from to get to where you want to go. Sometimes the shortest distance from where you want to go, like let's say I want to be successful in the wine business, it doesn't always. It's not always navigated in a linear in a linear way. It's not always obvious. Sometimes it takes other elements and what you would consider to be detours, but perhaps maybe they're just learning experiences. Maybe it's to get in the door with the right person. Maybe it's to find the right partners. And so, you know, don't take score too early. So I guess when I look at it, I'm like, man, I've invested so much money into Somnium. And, um, and you know, then this project, you know, comes along and it's just the perfect opportunity to, um, to really be a part of and to, uh, you know, to accomplish that being successful in the wine business. It, it really was perfect. So yeah, I've been in since the very beginning. I feel like it's another one of my babies. And um, yeah, this one has my name on it though. That does, and I'm holding it like a baby. I can't, I can't give you hugs. I'll hug this. Um, it's interesting, though, too, because I you know, coach a lot of celebrities, athletes, entertainers that have great passion, and that's how they're successful. They all have a common denominator, especially you, that you must be what you can be. You're living to your own potential, and it does 
it is an asset, but it also gets in the way because a lot of athletes, celebrities, entertainers, especially don't take the same attitude of view, which has always been, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm angling towards where I want to be, but you have that extra component that you have faith that you're going to end up somewhere even better than that. Like with this French Rose, where did that perspective of faith combined with a very pragmatic what approach to, to things since you were a young lady, you know, really geared to discipline and strategy, but yet you have this anomaly of spirituality and faith that you're going to end up even somewhere better than the hard work and discipline and strategy that you implement are going to take you to. Mm, yeah. I mean, great question. I think this is sort of like part of some of the magic formulas that it takes to be successful. Um, uh, and be able to transition and pivot, right? That's always tough too, is how do you do that? Again, it's the not taking score too early so that you're you know, able to take different routes that might not seem so obvious. Um, I would say that the first thing that came to mind when you started talking about that is I'm not someone that lives with regret. So like I, I think that people tend to fall in two different categories. You're either a future forecaster or you kind of live in the memories in the past. And, um, you know, they both have their downsides. Like, you know, if you live in the past, then you have potentially more regret, um, you know, more sadness, more uh, disappointment, more, more guilt. But in the future, you have anxiety and you have attachment syndrome and you, you know, you get really like you grasp so hard at something because you want it. Um, but I do think in the future forecasting and looking forward, it, um, it allows you to really dream into something. And so um, I think that that's benefited me so much in my life is to dream into something. And then, you know, I've, I don't know exactly, I think it's through experience to be honest, this one, but the part about being able to think it could be better than I could ever expect comes from being forced into situations that didn't feel comfortable or maybe right. And then you end up going, wow, that actually ended up better. And then you start to reprogram yourself to realize that wow, maybe something could be better than I could ever imagine. And of course, you can't imagine it because you haven't experienced it yet. So you have to be brave enough and think positively enough. And then of course, if you think positive, like as you know, you and I share this sort of love for that, like, and that the, the power of the mind, then, you know, sort of the, the, the sky's the limit on what you can do when you're really in that sort of, um, in that positive headspace and, and believe in, great things being able to happen. And it's so true, our mindset, we both have the same philosophies, but we also came from very similar circumstances, from very hyper-competitive, scarce-competitive world where you know we actually had met when we were younger, and sure, you didn't realize it, but we had the same exact personality. It was just win or nothing, fired up, and yet now I see a great humility uh, without losing the pursuit. You, you were someone that were laser focused on your pursuit of what you wanted, your potential. And yet it's a keen balance to have this humility about, I don't know what I don't know. I'm going to allow things to happen while I'm a ferocious, I call you a ferocious Buddha, but you know, you're ferocious. How do you blend, you know, still being that ferocious competitor that's one of the greatest racers of all time with this new form humility of allowing things to happen? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because I was thinking about something in your previous question that was about how do you know, how do you sort of trust and where it's going to go. And um, 
this is something that's been developing more and more, especially lately, and especially since I retired. But I, I, I did, this is what allowed me to race, allowed me to, I think, become what I became in racing is that um, we all, we're all, we're all psychic. Like we're all in touch with the quantum field. Like we're all capable of doing, we just have so much noise that makes it really hard to sense the nuances about, you know, what your sort of inner guidance system, God, source, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, higher self is sort of telling you. And so when you start to slow down enough, get quiet enough, and also feel enough into situations uh, and get honest, you start to be able to feel like what's really going on. And so, I mean, I, again, I say that it goes way back because with racing, I just knew, like, I just like knew it in my body that I was going to make it. Now, I came back from England with no job at 19 years old, didn't work for like two years and managed to still be in an IndyCar at the age of 23. So like it takes some blind faith on that to make it happen. Um, but sort of like really not letting go of those things that you can just feel, right? Like you just know it, you just feel it. And you've got to get really honest with yourself because there's also other things. And it's been funny. I've been talking about this lately, like this sense of, um, when you get these intuitions or you get this feeling or this knowing about something and sometimes it comes through <clears throat> just a feeling sometimes it's more words like i've asked those questions like you know about situations it's like mm, you know danica or like yeah that's not gonna you know you just kind of get these sort of like intuitions and so the difference between like the good ones like oh you're gonna make it like you know like you just know in your body something's gonna happen versus the other ones which are the bad ones where it's like you just don't want that information. So then you start writing that off to being a story you're telling yourself, to being the fact that you're, you're making things up, that you're just being sort of like putting yourself down. But that sort of intuition and knowing gives you a better sense of like when you should quit versus let go of things, when you should lean in versus you know, lean out. Like you really need to sort of be present with the feeling you get about whether or not something is going to work out for you or not. And um, those are found through lots of different ways. It's like synchronicities. It's like signs. It's like, uh, you know, just things syncing up timing wise. It's maybe things rolling out really quickly and easily versus like reaching a wall all the time about a, ch a change in a company or a change with people or a change with a deal. Um, really trying to take notice of those little things to help give, let the universe directionally help you. Because it, it's like, we don't know the answer exactly, but we can start to get indications if we're paying attention. And that attention plus the intention, which you're so fierce about, equals, I call it the mathematical equation of luck. The coincidences in our lives that without quitting if you maintain the attention and the intention you get those but still yet so many people either live by what's just the iq they're just straight academic intelligence or as we learned you know you're extremely high on the emotional intelligence side which it takes to have the transformation that you've been able to acquire but there's a new intelligence that I'm studying that I use you as one of my iconic examples. And you just explained why it's an adaptability intelligence. And now that we're in an extreme uh, accelerated change pattern right now, things are happening extremely fast, like a race, <laughs> like a race that you're in. You have to know what your values are. 
what are some of the characteristics that allow you to adapt? You know, I don't, I always say, I hate the word quit because people to know you're, you're just adapting. The one wine company adapted into something better and different like the Rosé and you continually adapted your racing career into different tracks and different careers. And here you do it again as an entrepreneur. What are some of the key things that allow you to adapt when things change very quickly? Mm. Uh, you know, I think that you need to know what you want, like ultimately, when you know what you want, ultimately, hopefully that's so far away that you don't get wrapped up in the little things as you go, right? You need to know your macro so that you can manage your micro. Um, because the micro doesn't always seem like such a big deal when you know where you really want to end up. But if you're staying at this micro level of like day to day, then you're probably gonna be burdened a lot more. But when you know what you want overall, you think, okay, well, who cares? You know, you don't get attached to how things go each day. Um, you actually don't even think about them. They're just happening. So I always described it in racing as like, I knew that I was gonna make it and I wanted to be a race car driver and that was my guiding light. And then, you know, it's just like I looked, it doesn't mean I didn't like have to go around the block a little bit to get there, but, but like I kind of just kept following the light. And so know your ultimate goal and also then don't be afraid if it changes, right? So that's sort of where you have to be malleable and you have to be, you have to understand that life changes. And at the end of the day too, when somebody's like, oh man, you've changed and you're like, thank you because I've been working on it. I've been working on, you know, being a more positive person or I've been working on creating opportunities. And so, you know, maybe frequency wise, your opportunities were at one spot, right, you know, here. And then you, as you march through life, you shift frequencies and it starts attracting new opportunities. So stay open. And then, you know, like at the end of my career, just understanding, yes, I don't like the word quit either, but learning the difference between letting go and quitting. And that comes to the intuitive side of being like, okay, I'm starting to see the signs. Like this is not coming together. This doesn't feel right. This feels forced. This doesn't get me excited. Um, that's sort of really important along the way too, so that you can, you can know where to shift your energy to and what to shift away from. Sometimes it's almost just as important to know what to get away from and let go of as it is to know what to jump into. And to that last matter, you know, I always teach my ex executives and of course the athletes, trust everyone but vet what are you know it's a key critical component here in the last minute what are the best techniques that you utilize because so many people come after you with so many different things what are the best techniques to vet out deals and people that are surrounding you well i think that the way that someone responds to questions and questioning says a lot like so if they are open and they are open book literally or even just with how they feel in their words um, that's always a good sign and and if they're restricted if they're defense I think defensiveness is like the first thing that I'm turned off by when you're meeting someone new or a new company new business new people new opportunity if you're asking questions and there's defensiveness in it they either don't know what they're talking about or they're hiding something but if they're honest and they and they have best of intentions, they want you to ask questions. They want you to drill them. They want you to grill them. They want you to understand because it's something that they're super excited about. So I think sort of that energy of like openness versus defensiveness is such a good thing to, you know, look into and and really just hearing them talk, right? The more you hear someone talk about whatever it is that they are interested in or offering, the more you can understand their intelligence level. 
Now you don't have to understand everything that they say. You just need to make sure that what they're saying sounds competent, right? Because we don't know everything, um, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're getting into new things. You are an entrepreneur. You're not good at the books or you're not good at the advertising. You have people for each job. So, but hearing someone talk enough and especially if they can sort of, you know, I always think like talk above you a little bit and things that you don't know. I'm like, okay, you obviously know a lot more than I do. Um, and then just being able to continue to ask questions and get the openness versus the defensiveness um, is a good indicator as to their, uh, their intentions.